did the thing Viola Davis, my woman king Educate your genius Jamie Lee, you are all of us Yes, One welcome to No Spoilers A podcast in which we walk through a movie beat by beat Spoiling everything in our path You have been warned I'm your host, Nicholas Porches. Uh, I'm a Toronto actor, filmmaker, youtube.com slash novelty hat. We have an extremely special guest today. She's an incredible star of stage and screen. <laughs> you know her from Crave Original Series New Eden. You know her from Outside the March's production of Dr. Silver and Mr. Burns, a post-electric play in which she played Bart Simpson. <laughs> You know her as Ocean from the original cast of Ride the Motherfucking Cyclone. <laughs> An absolute legend, uh, Riel Braid, is in the studio today. Nick! <laughs> oh my god! I want to walk around with that in my head on bad days. That was like just everything you just said. To the best of my memory. Like, I, I'm you. sure if I really went in depth, I could probably find even more. But Thank you. That That's so kind of and nice. Course, of course. Of course. Today we're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Oh. We're thieves, but we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing. Thank you to Will Wong. Yes, thank you, Will Wong. I, I was so honored to be included. Will, Will sent us on an advanced screening, and my review for the film is up at mrwillwong.com. Just to give a little context about maybe why you should take our opinions about this movie very seriously. Yes. Riel, you have been a D&D player for some time now. You've been yes. participating in a session of the game for a yeah, while. Yeah, I have a good crew. I would not call myself a seasoned D&D player just because sure. there are people out there that are truly like make a living off of playing D&D. Wasn't there like, there's a video on Wired or something where it's like a 40 year Dungeons and Dragons campaign or something? Yeah, that's yeah. Th there's people out there who are truly incredible at it. Yeah. And our game was a very um, like light D&D game because our dungeon master, shout out to Adam Sakiyama, he's the best. Mm. He really read the room and saw that we all like to play. And it was, I would say, more story and like improv and silly heavy than yes. necessarily really, really great lore and technique and gameplay. But I did, I will say... I shared a class with someone in this movie, so I knew some of the things that they were casting, yes. and I cast some of them myself. Yes. I've I've played a little bit myself, and my class wasn't represented in the movie. I was a Dragonborn, which I think is a Dragonborn relatively- Dragonborn are pretty sick. Yeah, and I think they're a relatively new class, uh, so I, I don't so. necessarily blame them. You, you make a really good point, though. I mean, what draws me to the game mm -hmm. is that spirit of improv and storytelling and fun. Yes. And, you know- Spoilers for, you know, some general feelings that I had towards the movie. But I think that even though on its face it's a very serious sort of situation and world and there's death and destruction and yeah. all this stuff, um, I think what really defines the game as a, like a special experience is that, that fun and yes. that improv and pretending to be these silly characters with your friends, which is why I think that the tone of this movie was like, Dead on the money. I 100% agree. I'm so yeah. happy you say that because the whole time we were watching it, I thought this feels like D&D. Yes. Um, it felt like moments of rolling for initiative and getting a bad roll and the times <laughs> where you get a good roll. Like there were multiple times where they try things and, yes. and really fail. <laughs> um, times where they try things and it surprisingly goes well. Mm. Uh, the, uh, there's a lot of on the fly 
moments that feel like something a friend would do as a bit. Yes. To be like, well, what if I like rolled for cuteness here to see if this NPC? We is... should we should check in about like where the skill checks in this movie are taking place. Totally. Um, and yeah, there's so many like sort of throwaway plots and like things that don't necessarily go anywhere, but like they're fun when they happen. Yes. We liked this movie. We did. That's a spoiler. Um, but here at no spoilers, what we like to do is talk through the movie beat by beat and just talk about our feelings about each thing that happened in the movie. We're going to tell you everything that happened in this movie. Um, Which is a lot. A lot goes A lot goes down. This is a plot-heavy movie. Yes. Um, An expository. Yes. Lots of exposition. But in spite of that, I remembered pretty much everything that happened in it after I left, which is, I think, a a good sign. Like, I was never bogged down in uh, the sheer um, density of the plot. Me neither. So, So let's start. Uh, the story of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. We open on a giant foreboding tower in the middle of an icy wasteland. A heavily guarded cart pulls up to the tower and a big orc-type monster steps out. He's in chains. This is obviously a prison and the orc guy is being led to his cell. I like that the introduction of that orc, I thought he was going to be very important. (laughs) (laughs) He gets the full, like, dolly up, you know, to reveal his face. He was revealed like he'd be Dave Bautista. That would have been a hell of a cameo if Bautista had played that and, like, well, we'll get into what happens to him. But no one would have seen it coming if it was played by Bautista. I would have loved that. Um, very pro Bautista here. Very pro Bautista podcast. So yes, as you say, we we are led to the cell. Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez are his new bunk mates. Mm-hmm. Chris is busy knitting some mittens for his daughter. We'll get into that later. Um, Michelle is eating a potato, which Chris says is the highlight of her day. And the orc, not not a very cool guy here because no. he makes some references that are a bit uncomfortable. He, he kind he of sexually harasses Holga. He sexually harasses. Yes, he makes some inferences. He's he's like, I've never had a lady bunk made in a prison before. I think I'm gonna like it. Yes, he's being quite creepy. Yes. Um, and uh, Michelle sets down her potato, <laughs> breaks his legs, and kills him. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Pine treats it all like this happens every day. This probably the third one today. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a good through line in general with uh, Michelle and potatoes mm. that I feel like is really, really uh, lived in and followed through on. Mm. That uh, potatoes are important to her. It's not a throwaway joke. No. Potatoes are her essence. There aren't a lot of throwaway jokes in this movie. No, they Everything do, follows through. They do callbacks. Yeah, it's really they great. remember the jokes and what they mean about the characters. It's like everything to, is Chekhov's gun. Yes. But for bits. It turns out today is the day that they are going to make their case for parole. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're, it's very important. They're going to step in front of a council, and Chris Pine is going to explain why he thinks he deserves freedom after a couple of years in prison. Um, I got to say, this this is a fast, fun framing device. It mm-hmm. gives Chris a great reason to explain how he got up to this point. Um, and it gives us a strong sense that we're joining this adventure right in the middle, which is Yeah, they've lived full, very full lives. Yes. Up, like, before we even met them. Which yes. is one of my favorite devices for getting into any story, is that people have been living before you got there, and they'll continue to live after you leave. Yes, and especially with Dungeons & Dragons. Because yes. Dungeons & Dragons is a long game. Yes. You play it over many sessions, and this movie's two hours long, so how are you going to convey that this is like this has been going on for a while? Yeah, absolutely. This is maybe the second or third campaign i don't know 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Because you really like the adventure that they went on that landed them in prison hmm. uh, would have been probably like two sessions worth of campaigning at least. Absolutely. To get them to this point. And we don't want to start like we don't want to have them filling out their character sheets. We don't we want to skip past all the paperwork. Totally. So the only problem with this parole hearing is Jonathan is missing. <laughs> do, you, do you pronounce it Jonathan? I call him Jonathan. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about names. In yes. This movie. I think that's probably the best name in the movie, Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> There's my favorite thing about it is that sometimes when you play D&D, when you meet NPCs, uh you at least our dungeon master Adam Sakayama, he would make up silly really silly names for us sometimes mm -hmm. on the spot and sometimes they'd be well lived in npcs that are obviously like part of campaigns sure. but i thought that the jonathan name had the, had the spirit of someone uh saying something <laughs> dumb to make you laugh <laughs> totally totally my my D, &D name was dante zelnagu that's really good which i it's it's partly a ripoff of starcraft because the, the zelnaga or wait oh, yeah. was it, maybe it was dante zelnaga anyways that's really good mine was Thank just you. rena which is my jewish name rena. okay like Cher. she only has the one you just read. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, they, they really wanted Jonathan to be there. There's, yes. you're sort of wondering, like, is Jonathan sort of in league with them? Is have he a they, friend? Yeah, have they worked uh, out a plan? A more sympathetic parole board member, perhaps? And your, your imagination is sort of running wild. What What is, who is, what is Jonathan? Yeah, why is he important? Why does he need to be there? <laughs> is he Hugh Grant? We haven't really seen yeah. Hugh Grant yet. Anyways, so um, Chris Pine relates the story uh, of how he got there. He used to be sort of a, a lawman. Uh, sort of a lawful good character mm -hmm. uh, and he was just doing his job and unfortunately when you're a lawman uh, lots of people are mad with at you sometimes for very good reasons yes. but in the world of D&D &D, um, not always for good reasons um, and uh, they decided to take revenge on him and kill his wife and yes. uh, it's very very sad um and, uh, you know, because his wife got murdered, uh, he became chaotic good, I would say. Maybe chaotic neutral. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's a really good um, device to let us know about the history of the friendship between Michelle and Chris Pine. Yes. Uh, because we hear that she essentially saw that this, like, grieving man with a baby that he had, like, he had, was not equipped to take care of. She stepped in and was like, I'm going to take care of this kid for you. And they sort of became friends and a found family through this process. Yes. Um, and there's a very strong bond between Michelle Rodriguez and Chris Pine's daughter. She calls her Bug is, affectionately. I loved it every time. I'm tearing up that. right now. I thought it was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> the way Michelle Rodriguez says Bug, like Bug, like she's so, yeah. that voice is so iconic. Like, she'd be the best aunt. Oh, she'd be so fun. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they went on a few adventures. Hugh Grant was part of their posse. Mm -hmm. Um, a rogue. Yes. They got hired to rob some place by a very suspicious lady. They should not have taken this gig. Um, no. but the thing was that in this place that they were robbing, there was a spell, mm -hmm. uh, a rune that you can use to cast a spell that would bring someone back to life. I thought I, I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this tablet of resurrection. I'm very curious to know what you think of that as an item. I I think it's a pretty good item. It's a pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have questions about like 
we'll, which we'll we'll get to. We'll, we'll get to. We'll get to. And I I do take a bit of issue with how it gets deployed. Yes. <laughs> but um, we will get to all of that. Anyways, they took this gig. They probably shouldn't have. But you know, Chris Pine really wanted to bring back his wife, mm-hmm. and he didn't tell his daughter because he didn't want to get his daughter's hopes up. And unfortunately, gig went south. Seems like it might have been a trap by uh, the evil-looking lady. Uh, not to cast judgment, but, you know, by the, the suspicious-looking uh, Very lady. suspicious. <laughs> um, Saravina, I think is her name. Sarvina? Sofina. Sofina. Yes. Uh, oh, yes, there it is. Right played there. Uh, by Daisy Head with, I think, a great, uh, just neutral evil she quality. She was so really scary sometimes. Yes, yes. She made me jump. Yeah. And she went, oh! yes yes and there was a there was a small part of me that questioned like should she have been more of a more of an older like sort of a hag but i would also maybe throw out there that like part of her casting spells and stuff might involve you know a sort of melisandre type i think so too because we get to see some fans throughout this movie uh, and they sometimes oscillate between being very like youthful looking with like very smooth skin and Mm. then looking like uh skeletons yeah so i just wonder if that they can sort of look ageless as a power source yes and i i think i think that that is um completely legitimate headcanon even though they don't talk about it thank you but (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) Um, but, uh, anywho, they took the thing, they took the job, now they're in jail, um, and they're still asking, where the hell is Jonathan? Enter Jonathan. A beautiful griffin. Oh, I love this guy. I love Jonathan so much. I think he deserves a bigger part, uh, maybe in the sequels he'll come I hope they're sequels. Yes, me too. I really do. Which is kind of insane, because, like... I'm I'm sequeled out. Every as goddamn a person thing otherwise. has a sequel now. But I want to know everything that happens after this. I don't want to. I want to get to know everyone even closer. Just just the vibe of this world and like anything can happen in yes. it, and it's all so silly. Like I'm I'm ready for more. Yes, you know, this absolutely. felt like a short little intro. Yes, and I want more, and that's you know that speaks to the strengths of this movie. Um, so Jonathan has entered. He's a beautiful Griffin. Uh, and turns out he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> Their plan the whole time was just to grab onto him, jump out a window, and fly him to safety. The fact that, like, they build it up so much that Jonathan needs to be there. Chris <laughs> Pine literally stops talking maybe three times to be like, again, this would really be great if Jonathan was here. And you're like, oh, I get, like, like you said, like, are they planting the seed that they know each other? And it turns out it's just to use Jonathan's literal body to yes. fly out the window because yes. he has wings. And one of my, one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie is they they grab Jonathan, they jump out the window, and the like the uh, very serious judge hearing their parole uh, says, we were going to give you parole. Like, they were going <laughs> to grant it. Fine. You had gotten it. Like, you could have just not done this. <laughs> Which says so much to their characters that, like, he kind of can't help himself, Chris Pine. Like, yeah. he's his own... Mo- like he's his own troublesome meddler. Yes. Like if he doesn't meddle, he's not really living. He can't help you know? himself. Um, they f- they ride Jonathan to safety, and Jonathan <laughs> is a bit incapacitated. It does not seem like he uh, flies regularly. No, which I think I think they might have made some assumptions based on. Yeah, I think they did. Jonathan's race. Yes. Which they were like, he has wings. He must fly all the time. And that's not necessarily true for yeah. every Griffin. Yeah. And I think... uh, He has a bureaucratic job. Maybe he doesn't like flying. 
maybe he's not a, a party trick to sort of bring yeah. out and make fly whenever you want. He was running late. He obviously didn't fly there. <laughs> That's a really good point. They should have known from the fact that he was late. Um... So I think that's good that the movie represents, you know, not all griffins are expert flyers necessarily. That's right. You know, and he's just, this character happens to be a griffin. Uh, it's not about his griffinness. No. You know, except for the fact that they use him to fly out of there. I guess it's a bit about his griffinness. They literally but, use him. But, but <laughs> so he's a bit incapacitated. He's out there in like the winter wasteland. Yes. And Michelle kind of like, smiles and is like he's still breathing and they <laughs> they run off and i think that we're supposed to take from that that like these are good guys they wouldn't uh leave. they wouldn't leave a dead body yeah but unless they killed that person deliberately see i think that even though that was the spirit of it and like i'll i'll take it I do think that they basically left him to die a painful death there. And what I would have preferred is if Jonathan had like gotten up and been like, oh God, and like flown back to the prison. So I worried less about Jonathan. Yes. I was a little worried for the next like 20 minutes. He was in the back of my mind. I was like, is he okay? I don't know. He He might have just died slowly. (laughs) But, but spoiler for the end of the movie, turns out he is still alive. So that's good. We can confirm. And still being used. Yes. Still being (laughs) constantly. They really shouldn't uh, let him be on that. Well, no. Then they're discriminating because he's a griffin. Yes. They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that. They should let him be on. But he should be on time. Yeah. He's not doing his job very well. No. He's always late. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) they head over to their old friend, Hugh Grant, who's become... Uh, sort of the mayor of a of a city. Yeah, he's the Lord of Neverwinter. Ah, uh, the Lord, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're sort of like, wow, how did you move your like work your way up? They're suspicious right away yes. of how he was able to do this. And then he has uh, Servina. Uh, Sofina. Sofina is his is revealed to be like his council, and they are justifiably wary of that as well. It seems like maybe she was casting some spells here and there, maybe like doing something dark. To enable Hugh Grant climbing the political ladder so quickly. Mm-hmm. And we learn that the former Lord of Neverwin- Neverwinter yes. has also been, like, ill, mysteriously ill. He's been, at the very least, bedridden, maybe a bit of a vegetable, uh, probably dark magic involved yes. there. Which, pretty sadistic dark magic to not just straight up kill him, just, like, put him in a vegetative state. Horrifying. Yeah. At first, Hugh Grant is being very warm and friendly and funny. So charming. So freaking charming roguish uh, i i and uh I love, it's, it's, loved him in this movie he stole most of the movie honestly so funny in it um brilliant casting and even more brilliant because it turns out he's a huge asshole which i think yeah hugh grant just excels for whatever reason i'm not sure why exactly he lives on this but, wonderful <clears throat> neutral line of yeah. being able to be a huge asshole who surprisingly has a heart of gold or a huge uh, asshole who's a huge asshole yes and he can flip well, either way because he's so really charming yes. that's why he's so good uh he's there's obviously movies where he's gone against this type, but I would yeah. say it's fun to watch him in his old age kind of lean into being a silly villain. He I, did it so well in Paddington too. Yes. I want him to be a silly villain way more than a guy who's in love with Julia Roberts. Yeah. If I had to choose between the Although two. Although I'd love that movie. He's too. good as both. Yeah. But I, Paddington 2 over Notting Hill for me personally. That's fair. Okay. So, uh, yeah, turns out Hugh Grant has sort of converted to lawful evil, I would say. Yeah. 
Um, maybe Chaotic Evil at best. He's in league with Sophina, and he's been telling Chris Pine's daughter that Chris Pine went off on this mission so that he could get a lot of money and abandoned her mm-hmm. and uh, been basically feeding her propaganda and lies for years. And it makes perfect sense why Kira, Chris Pine's daughter, is yeah. so kind of wary to be around him because she's been fed something that she has no opposing evidence to. So often in movies, I hate it when a child just like hates a parent or hates an authority figure with no... um like narrative reason to it's yeah, just the, there's just places opposition right whereas here we actively see hugh grant manipulating her a lot and mm-hmm. like warmly so she misses her father she doesn't have a mom mm-hmm. and so her surrogate mother and her literal father are gone she doesn't know why yeah and so all she has is the information that an uncle she knows really well is telling her so we see her being manipulated so i'm on her side when she's wary of him i'm not like oh this precocious kid yeah and like why wouldn't she know this was a lie well it's a great story it makes so much mm-hmm. sense um, so good writing, writers. Yes. Good job. For once not making a child annoying in a film. <laughs> yes, just because, like, default kids are shitty. Yeah. It's, uh, no. This yeah, she's, we see the manipulation happening. And frankly, Chris Pine's character doesn't come off as very trustworthy, because yes. he often isn't. He does lie a lot in the movie, and he does it for not nefarious reasons no but we see how he's failed as a parent a lot and yet we still understand that he loves her which i think is a really great way of showing the good and bad in someone and how like the mistakes he's made doesn't mean we shouldn't root for him and he he's willing to admit it he's not like one of those characters that's like i'm i'm a great dad and then like all the evidence to the contrary totally he's like i you're right i i fucked up yeah Kira leaves the room, uh, very convenient for Hugh Grant, because he orders an execution. And uh, now Michelle and Chris are being led out to be uh, slaughtered just outside the castle very unceremoniously. Michelle has a bit of a plan here. She's this was definitely a roll for initiative <laughs> moment where, like, she had to, they had to make a wisdom saving throw against, yes. like, charisma. She where, rolled a 20. Yeah, There's, she rolled a 20 on talking about weapons and how they're made. <laughs> this should not have worked. This should not yeah. have worked. Uh, she starts a, a random conversation with the guard, and the guard is kind of taken aback by the novelty of someone he's about to chop their head off asking about how he cleans his axe and stuff. I feel like he also, there's a part of him uh, peppered in there that's like, oh, I like, I do like talking about axes and no one ever asks. That is true. And, and she I, asked. I think it speaks to how well the scene was played and directed that we are willing to go with it even though we all know, yes. like, obviously she's doing something to get out of this and there's no reason in the world for this Mm -hmm. guard to go along with this yeah this is one of those moments where there really is a a saving throw moment that the guard lost (laughs) and i've and i like i wonder i'm super curious to know how audiences that don't play D &D will take that moment i think people will like it because michelle rodriguez is so funny and charming and disarming sometimes like there's something about her bluntness Mm -hmm. that she's coasted on since the beginning of her career that is uh very very dynamic and totally hers there's also a really good push and pull i found with with chris pine saying like okay yep execute us let's uh let's get this going like he's (laughs) he's sort of playing the opposite a bit and uh so it sort of sells it as like oh never mind like it's fine don't worry about it yeah it's like wait what 
Um, I like the unspoken understanding between Chris Pine and Michelle that he uh, knows that she could probably kill everybody and yes. he can kind of chill until he figures out what he has to offer. He like won't <laughs> be underfoot and, unless he's needed. Yes. Which speaking of Michelle uh, frees up a brick, uses the brick to kill like five guys before she manages to Very steal one of their swords. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a great sequence. And um, meanwhile, Chris spends probably 10 to 15 minutes uh, slicing through his <laughs> ropes. Uh, takes him a long time. I think he ends up helping a little bit the at the end. The last guy he bonks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also want to give this movie props for not having every time a woman beats someone up, people being like, wow, she's got bite. Or like Who'd pointing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just is what it is. You accept it. It's never pointed out as like, wow. <laughs> yeah. What a woman. Yeah. There's none of that. Let's just, just move on. Yeah. Let's accept this. They decide that maybe the best thing to do here is break into Hugh Grant's safe, where he's probably holding on to that rune. Then they can bring back Chris Pine's wife, finally, and uh, Chris Pine's daughter, Kira, can see uh, that he's not a bad guy, and she'll come back, and it'll all be fine. Yeah, they can be a family again. And they'll use this annual barbaric Maze Runner tournament as cover uh, because everyone's going to be busy looking at that. They're going to break into the vault. And there'll be a big hoopla because this has been like, <gasps> I touched the Speaking thing. of big hoopla. <laughs> there'll be a big hoopla <laughs> because uh, this festival hasn't happened for a while. The last Lord of Neverwinter was like, it's too barbaric. Hugh Grant takes over and he's like, I'm going to do it. Yes. So, so it's obviously going to be like, super packed Tons massive ratings come. it's been yeah. years massive yes. ratings <laughs> yes. it's like if wrestlemania was canceled and then they put it oof, back on oof i shudder to think <laughs> um, uh so they've got to go back and recruit all their old uh friends to help in this little heist we've got to get our party back together so first up it's is, is he a junior wizard yeah, he's a sorcerer. Okay, maybe Jun- I don't think he's an apprentice, though. I think he's just um, unskilled. So he's like a level one or two or three sorcerer. Yeah. 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 Uh, his name is Simon. Yes. Um, I thought uh, Simon was very good in this movie. Yeah, I thought he was very sweet. I enjoyed also, um, I-, I love as a character device introducing someone who seems like they're unskilled, but actually they're hiding what their skill is. Yes. Because when we meet him, he yes. seems like he's doing a bad magic show and he's mm-hmm. getting heckled, heckled by the crowd. But actually, his bad magic is a device to distract them while he picks all their pockets. If you're doing good magic simultaneously, you can't overpower the distraction magic. The distraction magic is going to suffer as a result. Yes. Uh, because, yeah, he's he's basically making a big magnetic ball that's attracting everyone's gold and uh, jewelry and, and stuff. And an example of rules existing in this yes. world. There's a lot of magic rules. You can't just do anything and yes. you run out of energy. And he, it's something he mentions a couple of times where he's like, "I, you can't just magic something. You yeah. need to be able to have the skill. You have to have the proper equipment. There's like parameters around everything. There's a great meta line where he's like, this is the real world. Like magic <laughs> has rules. It's very meta. And uh, there's even some really good sort of hidden exposition in this uh, lay magic show where he's showing this dumb trick where he can essentially make like a lighter out of his finger. Mm-hmm. And that comes back later. Yes. There's a lot of good little exposition in this movie where you don't know what's happening. I made a special note. Yeah. Where like dramaturgically, nothing is really introduced that we don't come back to. Yes. And I love doing that in this type of like big budget movie because sometimes... 
sometimes big budget movies talk down to you as an audience member because sure. they assume like, oh, this movie's for everyone, so we have to go down to the lowest common denominator. And I'm mm-hmm. always like, no, people can follow a lot more than you think, especially if they're enjoying the story. If it's fun, then yeah. it sticks in your brain and you don't need to know, I have to keep this in mind. Yeah. I think a lesser written movie would have them recruit him somehow and then he'd be like, so what can you do? And he'd have this scene where he shows them his tricks and they're like, oh, well, keep that in mind for later, I guess. Yeah. And someone would be like, remember, he told us the bad, 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 bad. Exactly. But in this, they, they really trust you to follow it. And if they do need to give the audience a little reminder, it's usually done in a, with a really well-written character joke where yes. it's like in the voice of someone. Not everyone has the same sense of humor in this movie, yes. which I also like. Yes. They all make jokes that are specific to their characters. Yes. You know, it's not like everyone is Ryan Reynolds. Exactly. It, like, like there are moments in this movie that definitely have the, like, he's right behind me, isn't he, type <laughs> of vibe. But that's usually reserved for Chris Pine's character. Sure, sure. Um, whereas everyone else had like Holga is Michelle Rodriguez is very uh, sarcastic and dry and sort of likes to point out when people are being stupid. Yes, and that's different from Simon's jokes, which are very self-deprecating. It's good writing. It's good writing, and it seemed like they enjoyed writing it. <laughs> that they had fun. It wasn't like a boring job that they had, to, and it's not like there were twenty-seven writers. Yes. Yeah. <gasps> Phenomenal. What a breath of fresh air. Imagine. He sees Chris and Michelle and he like gets distracted for a second, which causes his magic to unfurl. And everyone realizes he's been stealing all their stuff and a fight ensues. Understandably upset. Understandably very upset. I would be upset. And uh, there's this magic spell that sort of flips gravity on its head. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun and it keeps getting triggered sort of accidentally. And uh, Simon gets... Um, gravitied out of the building and falls upward for a couple of seconds in this amazing one shot. And then he falls back down uh, onto the horse of uh, either Pine or Michelle um, yeah. who are on their who way Who seem to be like, oh, this will end up where we, let's go get our horses and be ready to leave. I'm sure he'll fall from the sky <laughs> eventually. <laughs> they, they saw what was going to happen. He was going to use the gravity spell. Um, so next up, they need a tiefling. That's right. So a druid tiefling. Oh, is it, was it a combined class? Yes. Whoa. I'm a I'm a druid. I'm a druid wood elf, so I'm not a tiefling. Okay. But I was a druid, so I was geeking out a lot of mm. the movies because there are spells that uh, that she was casting that I have cast. Oh, that's fantastic. Before. And and the tiefling side of that uh, class uh, or race. Uh, that's where the sort of metamorphosis comes from, the anamorphs uh, element. Of, oh, because my oh, I guess I, that's I'm, I'm no, I, I uh, yeah. no, I uh, druids can be shapeshifters. Oh, okay, yeah, because they really emphasized the tiefling aspect of her character. I thought, yeah, because like she didn't like humans, right? Um, okay, which I think they could have gone into a little deeper, mm, mm. just a hair deeper. But you can you know one of the druid spells is being a shapeshifter, and depending on what level druid you are, you're like the type of animal you can become. Yes. Uh, changes so being like an owl bear yes. which she is frequently in the movie it's pretty sick yeah um i think is a high level because i could become i was frequently an eagle i liked being an eagle and flying mm. my friends out of trouble yep. and i was often a giant spider mm. which is also fun mm. uh, but sometimes i would be a cat just to be a cat that's fun yeah, yeah. just take a little break from being a human exactly which we can all use oh every my song. god um, Doric, that was her name. Yes, and Doric is uh, sort of Simon's ex. Um, they were going to yeah. be engaged or something, and then well, like he courted her, okay, and wasn't into him. 
Yeah. But he still holds a torch. It's not my favorite trope when a boy wears a girl down. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing in the world. I tend to, in my love stories, I like it when people enjoy each other's company. Mm, yes, that is a good part <laughs> of uh, love. And we'll we'll definitely yeah. uh, touch on that again because yes. it comes up one more time in the movie and it's very ham-fisted and sort of yeah. like rammed in there, which... I... Where's the platonic relationship in this movie between Pine I... and Michelle is beautiful. Sure. and And like... The, the idea that Simon and Doric were almost a thing is only ever spoken expositionally. Yeah. We never see any evidence of it in the way they interact. Yeah. There's she no... treats them how she treats everyone. Maybe a couple more quips. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, and so I thought that was one of the few things about the movie that I sort of take points off for where it's like... Yeah. You, it seems like you want to ship them and you want us to ship them, but like you are giving us no evidence that they belong together at all. Speaking as a seasoned shipper, the yes. best ships are born out of start the story with everyone just as a group and see where the chemistry comes from mm. and then build your romances from there. Yes, organically rather yes. than I was supposed to be with her before yes. we meet her and then nothing. Exactly. P.S. Doric is played by Sophia Lillis, the girl from It. Yes. Um, she honestly still looks exactly the same <laughs> as she quite did. Young. Yeah. If you told me that this movie had been filmed simultaneously with it and it part two. Totally. I felt the same way. Cause I, when I was watching, I was yeah. like, is that the girl from it? It can't yeah. be. Surely she's grown. I recognized her instantly. And, um, I would honestly have said that, uh, she filmed this before it, she looked older in it. Yeah. I think she's very well cast in I this role. Too. Yeah. She's, um, I think she has sort of a great neutrality about her, a neutral presence. Mm -hmm. It's a very film performance. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think anything <laughs> she does in this movie would read if it was on stage. Because um, she barely, like, raises her voice above a decibel. Yeah. eyebrows barely move. Yeah, and this character, like, it's, it's the joke of, like, the character doesn't have a sense of humor, but, like, or, or much of one. But uh, it, what she's doing is funny kind of because of that. Yeah, she's nonplussed. Yeah, and she's totally. very blunt. So the plan now is, hey, Tiefling, why don't you turn into a little fly, go in and collect some intel. Love, love her turning into a little fly. It's great. I loved it every time. And they do a great reveal of we don't even know she's in the room. We think it's yeah. just this scene of exposition with Hugh Grant and he's talking to these like lords and they're wondering about the tournament and all this stuff. Yeah. Turns out she's there the whole time uh, and Sophina can <gasps> smell her basically. And she goes, ah! <laughs> and it was so scary. <laughs> and then we go into this amazing, I, I know that it's obviously computer generated and all this stuff, but it's all in one shot and we see in her. In daylight. Yes. Which we never see with big CGI things mm -hmm. these days. It's all in daylight and you sort of accept some of the more CGI looking things because we're looking at mythical creatures half the time anyway. Yeah. And, like, there, there is an essence of cartoonishness to this movie. So I forgave things that didn't look hyper-realistic because yeah. we're talking about, like, griffins and tiefling. And there's a lot of good practical stuff. Totally. Like, a great just combination of and things. And well-directed sequences. So I loved all of that shot, like you were mentioning, because it was just so exciting to watch the different creatures she turned into as she escaped Neverwinter. Yes. And watch her be resourceful. And, like, it was really close. It wasn't like none of our heroes are overpowered. They yes. frequently get into trouble. She could have been struck down by a bow. Uh, so many times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or by an arrow, pardon me. They weren't shooting bows at her. They were um, just, like, <laughs> just chucking we're them like arrows. Start shooting the rings. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think that's sort of a great lesson in like, 
if you're leaning into how good your CG looks, uh, there's a, a good chance that the, the scene is going to suck. But yeah. if you're really focused on the storytelling, the dynamic yes. of she's now she has to turn into something that will fit with this situation and now that situation. And we are following her in this like exciting uh, way. Um, then even if your CG isn't, you know, Avatar level, Absolutely. you're fine because it's exciting. It's inherently fun. Yeah, we forgive a lot if we yes. like what's going on. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> make more things that we like. <laughs> That's the bottom line here. Hollywood. Yes. Um, so uh, she escapes and she tells the group about this crazy enchantment that's on the vault. They're never going to be able to open it now. Yeah. Uh, even if they had this ancient helmet that cancels any and all nearby enchantments, they wouldn't be able to do it. And everyone's like, wait, what? There's yeah. a helmet? Yes. And and uh, Chris is like, we just got to find that helmet now. Um, and uh, so they set off. A classic D&D item. Classic. I love relics. I yes. love I love quests for helmets. A lot of D&D is fetch quests. I think, you know, a lot of movies are founded on fetch quests. Uh, yeah. A lot of great movies are founded on fetch quests. And bad ones. I'm looking at you, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> what makes a fetch quest good is everything uh, but the fetch quest, I suppose. The endeavor yes. is what makes it good. Like, we're seeing the effort all of them are willing to put into doing this. Right. Um, and so if you use it as a as a device to build your character's motivations and relationships, then you can't lose. Because we right. learn a lot about Chris Pine during yes. this fetch quest. And, and the, we see his resourcefulness. Yes. And, like, why he's actually kind of a great leader, even though he's not the strongest mm -hmm. or even the smartest. But, the creativity that everyone yeah. has to bring to the table and how that's an expression of who they are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a great way to get to know characters. Uh, Michelle says, I've heard of this helmet. Right. It's like in the lore of my, <laughs> it's in the lore of my tribe that right. like, because uh, she comes from one of the sad things about Michelle's character, she was kicked out of her tribe, which obviously means a lot to her mm. because she fell in love with someone outside of her tribe. <laughs> We're getting to that very soon. <laughs> so she says, I've heard of this helmet before. Yeah. Um, and according to my lore, and these old stories, it's buried with one of the warriors of this battle. So right. we have a lead. Maybe yes. it's buried in this sacred ground. So they set off to find the helmet. And there's a brief tour along the way. They're oh passing God. by Michelle's ex-boyfriend's house. She just <laughs> wants to check in on him, see how he's doing since she went to jail. And uh, turns out Michelle's ex-boyfriend is none other than Mr. Bradley Cooper. Of Limitless? <laughs> yes, that's his number one. That's the first movie we Bradley all think Cooper of. of Limitless. When we hear his name. Limitless, Limitless is Bradley Cooper. <laughs> the original yes. uh, Limitless guy yes. before the TV show. I need you to know I gasped when I saw it was Bradley Cooper. Yes. I did not know he was in this movie. It this, was like this, a very strange performance. It, it's very heartfelt, warm, sensitive yeah. work from him. Yes. Which I don't think we see from Bradley Cooper very often. Not much anymore. He likes to play the sort of rogues and bad people. Yeah, he got and, famous off being the jerk guy but, in like comedies. Yeah, but like before uh, The Hangover, I knew him from Alias and... I remember distinctly seeing him on Alias and thinking, like, this this guy's so good. He's a good and, actor. And but there he was playing like a pretty sensitive, like nice guy. 
And he was very kind and like yeah. communicative yeah. and you totally saw why they didn't work out and, and that it was heartbreaking because they have respect and love for each other. Yeah. And I mean, you see, you also see this kind of work from him in um, Wet Hot American Summer. And like, I just think that this is a tool in his belt that he's not using enough. I want him to play more uh, yeah. sensitive men. And uh, he's so sweet because I think he's a halfling, I think. Um, it's revealed that Michelle is into halfling men. <laughs> Uh, yes, specifically, he's, he's a, a smaller uh, human. Yes, very uh, small. It's literally the scale of him is uh, smaller than what you would expect. Like probably at Michelle's knee. Yes, and he is into big, big <laughs> tall humans, barbarians. Yes. It seems because yeah, uh, her it, like the woman that he replaced her with is is much like her, but a yes. little bit more gregarious, a little friendlier, yeah, a little warmer. Not to cast any judgment, just those two relationships that we know that he's had yes. were barbarian women. Yes, so there's maybe something there. I thought it was really sweet. Like I thought he was really kind to her, and they had a really respectful conversation about why they broke up and how he was like, you were really unhappy with me like you did not you you made a huge sacrifice for me and you never got over it you weren't right to yourself and i was like another movie would have made this like a mean scene yes where they're like being passive aggressive to each other yeah movies like huh, exes am i right yes and they decided to show like no there was a lot a lot of love lost here and isn't it funny real how like how refreshing it is for a movie to just have two nice characters talk to each other and that that in itself yes. is like comic to yes. us because I we don't expect I think about this all the time, yes. yes. I think about this all the time where I'm just, I don't want to watch two people be horrid to each other unless it's the best, unless it's like succession level writing. Yes. <laughs> if, if like, if it's like cutting like a razor and yes. like it's, yeah, just I can't believe how horrible these people are, then sure. Yeah. But like... Does everything have to be that? No. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they head to the graveyard, and <sighs> this is a very, very well-executed, very funny scene where the rule is you can revive a corpse, but uh, it uh, you, you can only ask it five questions, and then it goes back to being dead, and mm-hmm. then you can't revive it again. And they have to keep digging them up, <laughs> um, and they don't quite make a plan before they do it, and so one corpse <laughs> misunderstands several uh, comments as questions yeah. or questions Chris Pine is asking of other people. Yeah. They have to go through quite a few corpses. They wasted the first corpse. <laughs> and all of these actors as corpses were so good. They were great. Um, and we got to see them in the in the flashbacks of how they died, which yes. was tremendous fun, including the guy that died in a stupid way because he slipped out of the bathtub. And it's great because now we know that all of those actors can use this footage for their demo reels because they have the corpse yeah. and they have themselves. It's a good contrast visually. Oh my gosh, that warms my heart. <laughs> this we're, is a big gig for always... all five of those corpses. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was such a good running joke, and then they played on it a couple times. Like the first time we revive a corpse, they yeah. ask questions wrong, and yeah. they're just like, can we ask more questions? He's like, that's the last one, and then he like dies. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one, they're like, okay, well, this isn't our guy. And the corpse is like, well, in order for me to like be able to go back to my eternal rest, you need to finish these sets of questions. Mm. So they're asking like, what's your favorite color? Yeah. What's your favorite book? <laughs> Before letting them die. So that's another way to do that joke. And then at yeah. the end, they're just like so done with this that they leave someone alive by accident. Yeah. And Chris, I, I think he's partly to blame for that one because he asked, Absolutely. what's your favorite book? And obviously like if that's a hard question to answer, there's going to be anyone. a lot of, yeah. So the corpse goes on for a bit and they have to leave. Um, and then the corpse is screwed. He's just going to be a zombie now, which no one wants to be a zombie. No. 
Um, so they got a great lead from the last corpse they talked to. They got to <laughs> go find Zenk. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> Zenk, Zenk can get them the helmet. Um, I think he still has possession of it. Um, and he's a former Thayan. Which means, like, he's a powerful wizard? Uh, he comes from the land that Red Thayans come from. Okay. Because we learn his origin story yeah. was that he escaped that, like, plague that uh, Red Thayans unleashed on their land to make an army of uh, the like, undead. undead. Right. And he escaped. Yes. So he comes from a land that Chris Pine uh, is adamantly, like, xenophobic about mm-hmm. because of his history with Red Thayans killing his wife. So he's like, I don't want a, a Thayan's help at all. Yes. It's very difficult for him to uh, overcome his... His prejudice. Yes. Um, and and Zenk is played by a very dashing gentleman who, <gasps> real life, I got the impression that you knew who this guy was. I don't know who he is. His name is Roger Jean Page. Yeah. He's from Bridgerton. Oh. He's the lead in the first season of Bridgerton. What's funny is I actually have never seen Bridgerton. Mm. I just know how handsome <laughs> this man is. And the reason I love him is because he got an episode of SNL yeah. based off of how he became a sex symbol overnight on Bridgerton. And I thought, I think he's one of a very underrated SNL host. He's uh. very funny. Okay. Um, but his big thing is that he left Bridgerton after season one because he kind of got incredibly famous overnight. And his career hasn't really delivered since and Hmm. people are wondering like did you leave your tv their tv show too early right so i was excited to see him in this because i'm kind of rooting for him yeah just because i thought he was so funny on snl i think this will do good things for him because really funny yeah he shows that he's very funny and that he's like one of those self-aware handsome men who like he's not sort of up his own ass he like is willing to sort of joke about it and have a sense of humor. Yes. Um, And he played one of my favorite types of comedic devices, which is someone who doesn't understand what you're saying, (laughs) but is pompous anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So we meet him uh, because it's revealed that he might know how, how to get this helmet. Right. Because they learn the helmet, like the last time it was seen was within Thayan possession and he might know where it is. Right, right. Yes, so uh, they go to get him. Yeah, and uh, he rescues a uh, little baby robot <gasps> from a giant a fish. Baby robot, <laughs> a giant fish. The, the the baby robot, I think, is supposed to be a cute cat, a cute cat humanoid creature. Yeah. And all it can do is move its arms about. It was a wretched visage. <laughs> I, I really salute. I mean, it was probably a budgetary thing, but I'm happy that they went with a stupid looking robot. 100%. It really charmed me, uh, even though it was so... I think I, I'm pretty sure everyone knows it looks stupid. Um, you and I really got a lot out of its its uh, lack of, mo- of motion. We were doing impressions of it throughout uh, for the rest of the day. <laughs> so we see him save this little creature yeah. and everyone's impressed, but Chris Pine's like, whatever, probably Ugh. a little, like he's being prejudicial towards the ends and he's probably a little jealous. Right, right. Because of how uh, handsome and heroic. And they have a bit of a conversation. Pine's very annoyed. He's like, just because that sentence you just said is symmetrical doesn't make it true. Which is an incredibly funny thing yes. to say. <laughs> um, and- it's revealed that Zank uh, doesn't get really jokes or humor. Right, right. Um, He's on the serious side. However, we do see a moment from him later where he's making Chris Pine angry because of his literalism. Yeah. And we see him smirk to himself. So it's, I kind of wonder if he just sort of... He 
might be playing into it a likes little. Likes to. I have. I need you to know. Throughout this movie, I was very much shipping Chris Pine and <laughs> Zach to be together. They do have a ton of chemistry, and they're up in each yes. other's faces a lot. And, a lot. And it would have made perfect sense for them to just kiss. Yes. Yeah. Especially since Holga and him are completely platonic. They're mm-hmm. just friends. Yep. And his wife is dead. His so. wife. <laughs> All clear there. <laughs> what a what a happy accident. <laughs> He's freed up. <laughs> Devastating. A swinging single once again. I shipped them so much, and that's where I mentioned Chekhov's handholding. Because yes. they, so he agrees to help them. Yes. They go to that cave to, mm. they go like into the, oh, damn it, what's it called? The abyss? No. It's uh, not the abyss exactly. Might as well be. I mean, yes. it looks like the abyss. Yeah, they have to go underground uh, to go find essentially go to a dungeon to find this helmet and yeah. he tells him if you guys get lost like hold my hand and Chris Pine's like I will never hold your <laughs> hand and I was like he's gonna hold his hand they, but I don't think they did they should have brought that back you're I right I thought so too um great segue they go into uh this uh, dungeon to scary spooky yep get the helmet the helmet is uh, of course across this bridge and there's some very funny rules about how to step across the bridge it's going to be extremely complicated to make perfect sense to zenk yes zenk should have just done it he shouldn't have even lectured them about it he should have just started doing it and then come back and likes in to talk like a minute yeah he likes the sound of his own voice yes isn't they trigger the yeah, bridge simon steps on it by accident yeah. poor simon it's kind yes. of embarrassing he's for a him. fool yes <laughs> um michelle's like hey why don't we use this stick in some yeah she's like way. holding a stick she's like oh well, we'll fight whatever we gotta fight and simon's like wait a second yes and i'm gonna say it because i love the sound of it it's mm. a hither thither mm. <laughs> a hither and thither <laughs> stick which is so satisfying yes. to say yes and it had portal rules it had portal rules and um someone in the theater next to us went portal well and real the way i heard him say it was portal like he was kind <laughs> of like being rude and like mean about it because it was such a like an obvious portal reference. Yeah. Here's my thing about the portal. Yeah. I uh, thought you know the hither thither stick was great. Uh, I love how they deploy the portals. I just think the design of the portal. Yeah, sure. They shouldn't have made it like super oval and and blue on the outside because. Yeah. It's like 100% the portal from the it's portal fully video portal. Game. And it's like an unintentional cameo, I felt like, yeah. from the portal, from That's the portal fair. games. You know? So, like, I just think that they should have done something different with the design. Yeah, make it a little more d and Yeah. Uh, because, because there was a bit of the audience being like, ugh, I recognize that and it's out of place here. Yeah. Um, or lean into it more. Y- Don't halfway yeah. it. Yeah, if there was some way, I don't know, maybe a companion cube fell out of it or something. I don't know. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Uh, it has good rules, too, the hither and the other stick. It does. You know, it, it is only, you can only go to a place you can see. Yes. Which is a great way to not overpower something. Yes. Um, and it also isn't introduced just this once to save them in this one dungeon. It's something that they really make use of. It's, it's a, great. It's a tool in their tool belt. Oh, um, very D&D. So they, they use the, the portal gun. They get across the bridge and uh, they get the, the helmet and everything seems fine. But there's a plus sized dragon. And a bunch of uh, Thans that are sent by the sorceress. Ah, uh, yes. To come and retrieve, uh, come and kill them. I think, I don't actually know why they're there. They're, that I might have missed. Yeah, I, they do explain it in the movie, but it kind of got lost oh, in no. the, <laughs> the excitement of the chase. But uh, but it was fine. It was a fine enough yeah, explanation. Good fights, too. Yeah. 
So they, they're running from the plus-size dragon, which... I loved this dragon. It's almost, in spite of itself, a great threat to everyone. Like, it's... It, I don't even know if it was trying to kill anyone. It was a little bit surprised. It's like when, like, dogs jump on a coffee table that has a bunch of stuff on it. And yes. You're like, no, you've ruined everything, <laughs> but they don't know that they did. It looked like the, the fat dragon from uh, Namek. In Dragon Ball Z. Okay. Because there's the two dragons. Yes. And the one on Namek is like big and chonk. Okay. Just like this guy. That's great. I loved this dragon a lot. I didn't want him to be hurt. I did too. I, ah. I in general, I, I love fantasy and I'm always sad when dragons are hurt, but it's a part of the world. Most dragons don't have ill intent. They just no. are good at destroying and things. And we're in their lair. Exactly. We went uh, into their home. We intruded. Yeah. Um, so that's, I feel like there were shades of that in here. I think the movie maybe understands the dragon's perspective as well. I think also this movie did something smart where we've had a very dragon forward culture for the past couple of years because Mm -hmm. of Game of Thrones. And I thought not trying to, like, when it comes to the, uh, CGI, they're like, okay, well, we've seen sick and cool dragons. Right. Let's not compete. Why don't we do something a little more cartoonish and a little more in the theme of this movie? They did exactly what I wanted them to do with the portal gun with the dragon. They made it their own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I I loved him. And he was a danger because of his clumsiness and his dragonness. That's so fun. Exactly. So they wind up, uh, unfortunately, trapped in a cave. The dragon is sort of making sparks. It's not fully breathing fire yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris comes up with a brilliant idea. The cave is flooding. So now they have a bunch of water. Mm -hmm. uh, And... uh, Chris is like, use that lighter hand trick that you were doing at the dumb magic show and that will ignite the flame and we'll get out of here. Now, I don't know exactly how Simon's hand didn't get uh, burned off after doing that. Fair. Uh, and it, it, it is a bit of a, like, fade to the next scene. We can just assume that they kind of that somehow... That worked out. Yeah. Uh, but I'll take it. You know, like, up Especially till now... Especially when it's something we were introduced to. Yes. He wasn't suddenly like, oh, I actually happen to have... Like, we've seen this lighter finger already. Yeah. And again, like we were mentioning, it's so fun to be reintroduced to stuff. Like, giving us the credit that we remember. If they had another million dollars in the budget, I would have liked to have seen exactly how they got out of there and the mechanics of it. Totally. But I'm another willing... Another thrilling scene. Yes. I'm willing to meet them halfway and just, like, know that it worked out. Yeah. Um, Which is a credit to the movie. It is. we're willing to do that. They've been doing such good storytelling that we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. Um, they're washed up on a beach uh, and... Um, uh, Zank leaves. <laughs> Zank walks away <laughs> in a straight line. This is, this is, I think, maybe the best joke in the movie, <laughs> where it's one long shot of him walking in the distance, and Chris Pine is just commenting on it for like 90 seconds. He's like, he walks so straight. And then he's like, oh, he's going to have to turn because he's coming up to a rock. And then he just walks over the rock perfectly. He's like, guess not. He also has a thing where he's like, you're pretty incredible, but yeah. you're very brutal to talk to. Yes, <laughs> he isn't no humor. Yeah. I was so sad when he left. I wanted them to fall in love. I wanted him to be part of the crew. Yeah, me too. I kind of just think he should have been part of the crew. That's, I mean, yeah. if I had to ding the movie again, I would I would just say, let Keep this him. guy, yeah, let this guy be. He, you've established his character. He's really fun. Yeah. Just let him do if it. If he had been a love interest, that would have been a way to do it. <laughs> and then Chris's very strange decision at the end of the movie would well, have made more sense because he would have found a new love. 
I have some thoughts on it. Yes. Okay, so we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Simon tries on the helmet. Unfortunately, his Mm -hmm. great-grandfather or someone thereabouts... Yeah, who is a famous sorcerer. Yeah, is like, you can't handle this helmet. And he's like, oh, yes, I can. He's like, that doesn't sound confident. And then he tells him... He basically gets the helmet off of his head. It's very hard for him to keep the helmet And we learn... Because when we first meet Simon, he says that he was rejected by Doric because he lacks self-confidence. And now Mm. we're learning here that that's actually a very real problem he has that's getting in the way of using this helmet is he doesn't really believe he can use it. He can't perform well Mm -hmm. because he is having some confidence issues. Yeah, he's insecure. Some people can relate to that. I don't know anyone (laughs) uh, personally, but some people might relate to that. Yeah. Um, And then like as he keeps trying to use it, that's it's a fun uh, device too, where we see that when he goes to this other plane when he yes. puts on the helmet, everyone sort of becomes sort of like like dolly paintings. Yes, it's, it's very beautiful. cool. Yeah, it was a really really cool visual. I actually that I didn't expect from this movie. Yeah, I thought for a split second that maybe it was going to turn out that that wizard was actually like astral projecting the tiefling the whole time because she was the first one to vanish. Yeah, and I was like, no, no, they can't do that. Yeah, uh, so I was glad they didn't. Pine is like, uh, you've got time to practice. You'll be okay. And then he... Kind of keep spirits up. Yeah. He walks uh, up and sort of almost sits as though he's Rose on the Titanic. Like, he strikes this, like, gorgeous <laughs> painterly pose. <laughs> it really stuck nap. out to us. We, I thought it was going to be a bit, but it's just how he laid down. It's just Chris Pine being naturally gorgeous. And Chris Pine. We haven't spoken about him really much. We haven't. You know what's funny is when the movie was starting, I, I, I'm always halfway on Chris Pine. Yeah. Some things I love him in. Yeah. Some things I'm not always sure. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's uh, very funny. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, when it comes to the battle of the Chris's. Well, and we're going to do a Chris ranking at the end of this podcast, as yeah. we always must when there's a Chris involved in any movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, he really like. I wasn't sure at the very beginning because I am prejudicial towards he's right behind me, isn't he, type <laughs> heroes. Yes. But he really won me over. Yeah. So he lies down here handsomely, yes. which we're making fun of. But <laughs> then he has like this warm memory. Yes, where he's with his wife. And, and... it's very funny, this memory. It's like <laughs> them trying to get a bug out of their room. See, I personally felt like it was kind of the most sentimental part of the movie and it it stuck out for that. I wanted it to be just a little bit funnier. Yeah, they fit. could have leaned in even more to the bug. Yeah. Um, I actually also wanted the bug to be something beyond a dragonfly. They're both afraid yeah. of this lovely little harmless dragonfly. Yeah, so it doesn't even make scary, like, noises. Yeah. It would have, I think it would have been more fun if it was, like, something legitimately, like, pretty scary, but maybe small. Yeah. Like a little demon or something. Or like a wasp of some kind. All of us want wasps out of our room. (laughs) Um, But they're both hiding from it. And then he gets up and he tries to trap it with the smallest um, little pot ever. Yeah. Doesn't work. um, The smallest little bowl ever. And then the wife, and you know, this is something all dead wives in movies do. (laughs) She uh, warmly and ethereally is like, just simply let it go. (laughs) I'm the most beautiful being that ever existed. She opens a window, lets it fly out, and she's like, don't trap it. You have to let it go. Yes. And she stares at him for what seems like an eternity. Like she knows she's about to die and this will be his last She (laughs) knew the whole time. Yeah. It's like that. She could die at any minute. 
I, I compare it to the scene in The Simpsons where Marge is like, this town is a part of us all. A part, part of us all. all. A part, part of us, us all. Because <laughs> she knows that he needs to remember. Sorry to repeat myself. <laughs> yeah. But I want you to remember. <laughs> um, I, I think that if she had known that this moment would actually seal her fate in death um, later on, <laughs> maybe she wouldn't have tried to put such a an exclamation point on it. I'm not sure how she feels about it. Maybe. We're going to talk about death in general. Yes. In the world of this film. Yes. Um, because in fact, Zank makes a point earlier where he's like, are you sure you should bring her back? Mm. Because we live many lives. Mm. And if you bring her back now, she's been living the life or the undead life or whatever plane she's on for like quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And you'll be ripping her from that. Mm. And I liked that because... In general, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of resurrection as a story device because sure. I think that death is something that um, isn't inherently, like, good or bad. It's just something that happens. Well, and when movies bring people back, I think we're sort of losing what is actually learned about. Sure. Or, like, you know, we can probably explore something more interesting about grief than well, just bringing someone back. And once, yeah, and once you put out into the world of the movie that you can bring people back from death you kind of lose the ultimate stakes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this yeah. has happened in the MCU now. We know that you can't really ever kill anyone if, mm -hmm. if you know, they can always bring them back somehow. Like, at least this movie has a tablet that only works once. Yeah. So, and it doesn't seem like there's tons of these tablets. It's hard to get them. Yeah, so, like, I'll give it, it, it so the, in that way it didn't bother me, but I'll I'll note that on a whole, I don't love, like, resurrection. I don't yeah. mind people wanting to. Yeah. I think that is, like, the most human feeling in the world is wanting someone to come back. Sure. But... As a to be actually able to do it, I'm I'm always like, hmm. Well, I mean, you relate this to to our world, and and it's like if I do, that's true. If, if if mortality wasn't a thing, you and I probably wouldn't be recording this podcast right now. We'd just be like, well, we can get to it later. We'll get to it we, in, in a millennia. <laughs> we have a billion years to record this podcast, <laughs> or we'd be recording a uh, ten million podcasts. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> so. They all get mad at each other for the first time mm. in the movie uh, because it's sort of revealed that Chris Pine doesn't necessarily believe that Simon can pull this off and that he even told Simon that. And so everyone's like, what are you saying? Like, you don't believe in this plan? And Chris Pine ends up having this wonderful monologue where he's like, no, it's just I always have many plans because I assume we'll all fail. And at first that's sort of treated everyone's like, how dare you think that? And then they're like, what about you? And he's like, I'm a huge failure. I mm. fail constantly. Mm. And I actually thought this was like, I, I was quite moved by this speech because I thought that the fight didn't seem arbitrary. Yes. And they all forgave each other. They were all like understandably um, sort of at the end of their rope and worried that this wasn't going to work out. And he didn't shy away from the fact that he does lie and he does fail and he has right. backup plans. But he doesn't see people failing or not being able to pull something off as inherently bad. It's, it's just part of life. Yes, it's a very moving sentiment that, mm -hmm. you know, if you're not failing, you're not living. And, like, yeah. it's better to fail at a plan than to not plan at all. Yeah, you know? and it made me really respect him because he's, like... I think a weaker character would have been like, well, my daughter doesn't believe me and I am a bad dad, so I give up. But he doesn't give up. He's like, I have been a bad dad. Yes. I have really failed as a father. Mm -hmm. 
but that doesn't mean I should stop trying. Right. And I just thought that was a really genuine, like, well-written scene. And then everyone forgave him and they were all friends again. I was like, see, that's realistic. Friends want to forgive each other. Totally. They don't want to storm off and be like, you lied to me. (laughs) You know? And again, a lesser movie maybe would have made a meal of that had them all. They all would have split up. Yeah, disperse. And then, I don't know, they hear a song that reminds them they should get back to or something Something stupid. Instead, we see all these people that love each other choose to forgive each other after voicing their frustrations, which is what happens in real life. Yes, and for being self-aware and willing to admit that you're not perfect. Yeah. Ugh. Good writing! (laughs) Yes. They have this amazing plan when they hit their thither stick. They come up with this plan to portal onto a cart filled with treasure that's going to the vault. They're going to put a portal on a... What's that? In Neverwinter. Yes. Yes. They're going to put a portal on a painting which is my new favorite tongue twister. And (laughs) then they're going to portal into... Okay, wait, wait. So they're going to put a portal onto the bottom of the cart? So they they portal into the cart and then portal the... (laughs) To let her in. And then that portals the painting. Yes. No, no. Okay, okay. Get this. (laughs) So this is why the plan is so fucking brilliant. They put a portal on the bottom of the cart, which then allows them to meticulously undo the bottom of the cart for a minute, take the wood off, Mm -hmm. and then they can go into the cart, put a portal on a painting, put the painting in the painting part of the uh, carriage. And it's such a fun uh, sequence to watch them. And the fact that they show how difficult this was for them to pull off, like it's clunky and uh, it's not like all of them have different skill sets. And like, for instance, Doric is the one that has to go into the cart and she's not as strong physically. So she does like have some moments where it seems like it's not going to get pulled off. Right. And we get to just see some madcap adventures of them finally making this work. Like, I feel like they rolled maybe an eight. Yes. So they pulled it off, but they had to make a couple. Yes, just barely. Yeah. Um, And it's such a fun plan. And it's their plan B because they're like, well, he, Simon won't be able to do plan A potentially. And And I sat there being like, I bet he pulls it off. I I think, you know, another thing that really speaks to how well this movie was crafted is that They've spent a lot of this movie getting this helmet. Yes. And there is this legitimate suggestion in the air that they're just going to not use the helmet after all that work. Yeah. And I didn't even really care. Like, I was kind of like, if they end up not using it, fine. Like, I'm interested in this portal plan now. Yeah. And it wasn't like this massive letdown because I just spent like an hour watching them try to get that helmet. Totally. Um, So, yeah, A plus uh, for not making me feel even remotely disappointed that they weren't going to use that. I loved, I legitimately loved that all of Chris Pine's plan A's and plan B's and plan C's and plan D's were like fun to watch. And it was, you were always kind of wondering like, oh, like, I liked to see how they'll get out of scrapes, yes. which is the essence of D&D. Exactly. How are you going to get out of this one? Yes. Uh, so satisfying. Oh. So um, the, the plan eventually works out, but unfortunately the painting uh, falls flat on the ground. Such a great problem <laughs> because it gets like jostled and it falls on the ground. So the yeah. portal is just concrete. Yeah. They can't. It's a portal, so they can't push the painting. Right. The painting is the portal. Yes. Uh, 
And so then Doric has a really good idea to chip away at the sides of the portal and mm. then to become a worm and crawl through. Yes. Which I'm like, God, that's another great idea. Another brilliant plan, it's which so is good. organic, but magical. Yes. It's perfect. So she's working on that while they go with another plan, which is to sneak in and see if they can make the helmet thing work. Yes. Uh, so they make a fake Chris Pine who finally gets to play his loot. Yes, his loot. Because um, he's a bard. He's he, a bard and a thief. He's a bard. One note that I would give the movie. Yes. He needed to play more songs. I totally agree. He's this, actually a good singer. He's And his singing voice is very different from his speaking voice. Yeah, it's weird. It kind of threw me off. He sounds like maybe 15 years older when he's singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and we I... We only see him otherwise playing loot. Uh, he does it like... One, he cheers up Michelle after she runs into Bradley Cooper. Right. He plays the lute then. Okay. And in a flat, at the beginning of the movie when he's explaining how they got into this, we kind of see him playing the lute in a tavern. Yeah. But that's it. But yeah, and I think there, you know, it's always, a song is always kind of inherently fun. And I think that yeah. there were a lot of opportunities where he could have like riffed a little song. Here totally. I yeah. wanted to see the guards enjoy his song even more. Yeah. I was a I was a bard uh, in my D and D sessions, and I loved uh, exploiting my. I, I actually used a slide whistle uh, as my <laughs> lute, <laughs> um, but uh, but that's a story for another day. So uh, the the fake Chris Pine starts glitching. Yes, um, they made a fake Chris Pine to play the lute, yeah. and he starts to glitch out because Simon loses focus. Right. And then the Chris, he becomes a horror, horrifying uh, visage. And this is a good example of, like, let the CG be terrible. It's it's actually better that the CG is bad yeah. here because he's not supposed to be believable as yeah, a thing. totally. Um, but it's fine. He's done a, a good enough job of distracting <laughs> them. They run away. Uh, they get in. Yeah, they're in the castle. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Hugh Grant kind of... New? Expected that they would be coming. Yeah, I think. so he's ready. He's ready for them. Sophina like gets some snakes to sort of hold them up, and yeah. uh, he was right there the whole time. And Chris Pine runs into Sophina, but Sophina as his daughter at one point. Doesn't that happen? Sophina's like become his daughter. Oh, and yes. they have that terrifying conversation. Oh my god! Yeah, Chris Pine thinks he's about to rescue his daughter. Turns out his daughter is Sophina in disguise, yeah. and she like laughs. Does in this, this evil laugh that was oh evil so scary. scary laugh? Yeah, yeah. In this adorable uh, young actress. Yes, very I, scary. Yeah, it was that was well done. That actually kind of made me shiver a little bit. Yeah. Um. And uh, Hugh Grant wants to kill them right away. I, I think uh, that was a good instinct uh, because, yes. unfortunately, Pine is like, just let us uh, compete for our lives in the, hung in the uh, Maze Runner games. Yeah, because they get tricked because there ends up being two vaults. Well, there's right. one vault and they moved everything because the worm trick does work. Right. And Doric gets in, but she's like, it's empty in here. And then we find out that... Or wait, is it empty? Yes, the vault is empty. Right. And all of the treasure has been moved to the beach, to the oh. docks, because Forge is planning to escape with the money and leave Neverwinter to the to Safina. Okay. To this take over Neverwinter. Completely got lost in the excitement for me, so I'm so glad that That's you fair. informed me about that. We find that. out that essentially Safina helped Forge rise to power mm. so that he can pull a huge grift and right. make and leave town with every nobleman's money. Right. And she'll take over Neverwinter so that she can kill everyone and have an undead army. Right, right, right. Yeah, Which so is, that's revealed. Yeah. Pretty good trade, I guess. Pretty for both sick, of them. Pretty sweet. Yep. Um <laughs> 
And um, so he has all of them. They've all been tricked. Yes. But but Chris Pine is like, let us play in the Maze Runner games. And uh, he's like, no, I'm going to kill you. And Sophina. Yeah. Falls for it and is yeah. like, well, they deserve a fighting chance. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, fine. Um, yeah. I mean. I took that as her enjoying watching people suffer. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it wasn't like. When I, when I think about it objectively, <laughs> I'm like, this doesn't every make sense. Every time bad guys don't just kill them, yeah. it's a bad... They don't know yeah. every time that but it's it, just better to kill them. I think the movie like played it well enough for for me to just sort of let it go. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish maybe they had come up with just something that didn't involve, you know, them being convinced. Like maybe the other lords were there. And they had to, like, save face. Like, they were like, well, let them compete in the games. Yeah. Because there was these two lords that were super funny that kept being just, like, rich old men. Or maybe Hugh Grant's plan from the beginning was to lead them down a false path that actually reveals itself to be inside the games. That would have been a perfect fix. This is just off the top of my head. That's a perfect fix. <laughs> and um, and then so he's gifted. like, Haha, you're obviously going to die now. Yes. And that, you know, his flaw is his overconfidence. And maybe Safina would have been the one to be like, what are you thinking? Yes. In the game. Exactly. Yeah, that would have been better. Okay, let's do that. Um, okay. D&D. I'll for, call. <laughs> for maybe for the Blu-ray, just uh, <laughs> include an update so that you can put that footage in there. Um, it wouldn't take too much editing, honestly. Yeah. Um, so they are now in the Maze Runner game. Very fun maze. Yeah, and lots of fun monsters. There's a monster who projects a fake monster, and you always think it's the fake monster, but it's not. Yeah, and then the real monster's behind, and you're yes. like, clever girl. <laughs> yeah, it's a very clever girl moment. <laughs> There's great representation of that classic treasure chest that you open, and then it turns oh, out to be that, a monster. I, we both went like, yes! Like, it was, <laughs> yeah, because uh, we saw two people that weren't in the party run and get fun treasure, and then when Michelle tries, it ends up just being like an evil chest with a tongue and teeth. Yes, which is like, a staple a of it's a D thing it's a Video final games, fantasy a huge thing. final fantasy thing yeah it's a great monster yeah. idea uh, i think it's in gloomhaven i would real yeah i'm gonna need your help here because okay. i was a little confused by this okay <laughs> they sort of escape into a big mold of jello yeah there was like this strange jelly <laughs> <laughs> that was or like resin it was like resin that hadn't set yet okay and like he who came up with it? I think Doric did or Michelle. I think Doric did. Okay. So she was like, "We're all gonna." They noticed that this maze kept changing, right? And so these huge pillars would come in and out of the ground, and some of them had like a booby trap of this like goo that you could get trapped in, right? Um, and I think Doric realized that it goes back down. Okay, so when the pillars come up and down. So let's get intentionally trapped in the goo. And then get delivered down below. And then to be underneath the maze. And then Doric will sort of escape using some animal form. Yeah, she became a snake and escaped right. through the air bubbles. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. That's what I got. It's one of those things where it's like you're thinking about it and don't think about it. <laughs> it was the I think that something about like the visual of them all being in jello was like so distracting to me that I was like, "Wait, how did we even get here? What's totally. going on?" And I was just kind of like, "I guess they just made it out." Um, maybe the storytelling could have been a little bit clearer there, but yeah, maybe totally. it's my fault too. I don't know. 
Um, Even a quick moment of just Chris Pine being like, good idea, kid. And she's like, I saw that the pillars were coming up and down. Right, right. Anything like that. Something something quick. Yeah. Um, So uh, the Red Wizard, uh, she is going to do her thing. Yeah. She gets her zombie red fog smoke to come out. So she's gotten that. And meanwhile, our party has escaped to the docks. Yes. Where it seems like they're going to get away with Kira, where they've like rescued her. They tell Kira the truth. He admits that he should have told her mm. um, everything. Like, he apologizes as a father, and Hugh Grant's real nature comes out when he's willing to put Kira in danger. Yes. So they, like, we have one kind of boss a little bit beaten when yes. the party is like, okay, we've got Kira, we're about to get on a boat and escape. Yeah. And Hugh Grant's like, no! Yeah. Then they turn back, and they see that uh, Safina has used this, like, device to, again, create a plague on Neverwinter and make an undead army. And they're right. like, oh, so so they have kind of a genius stroke here to portal the treasure out of the boat and yes. into a balloon. Which, which has been introduced to us before as a bit. Yes. These balloons with uh, Hugh Grant's face on them. Yes. And there's a portal that they put on his mouth. Nice artistic touch there. Yeah. And he's vomiting out uh, lots of treasure and gold. Into and this, the town square. Yes. And this causes everyone to run out of the stadium before the green fog can, or the, the red fog can get them. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing about this. Yes. I I understand that that's a good way to get them out of the stadium. I also think they probably would have just left when they saw a bunch of unannounced red fog coming towards them. Yes, I think that... um this was a thing where they were like, they wanted a character moment of showing that even though Chris Pine and everyone had everything they wanted, they could yeah. really just leave. They're yeah. good people and they've decided to go back and save everyone. Right. So I think that moment is good, but I think they, assuming that everyone will run out because they see treasure is a little <laughs> silly. Yeah. I think that they should have, maybe like Doric could have become a scary creature and like gone into the stands and gotten everyone to run out. Yeah, that could have worked. But too. they also wanted to give the treasure to everybody. They, I think, I think it's good that they give the treasure to yeah, everyone. That's I think true. that that should have happened no matter what because it undoes Hugh Grant's. Yeah, whole and deal. Zank told him to do that, didn't he? Yes, there's a, there's a great scene which Another we kind of skipped to over. Ship them. Yeah, where he Zank was like, "You're going to give the treasure to everyone in the town, right?" And Pine, Pine is like, like no, "Yeah," and he's like, yes. "Even though you don't believe it, I believe you," and uh, he's like, oh, "You're so annoying." Um, and then they kiss. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just, I think that this also needed just another dash of writing because, totally. because again, I just, maybe even it's not a red fog. Maybe it's an invisible th- fog because I think mm. the red fog is just so inherently scary yeah, yeah, yeah. that it would have caused everyone to flee no matter what. And if I was a red wizard, I would have probably locked the doors from yes, the inside. That occurred to me also that they weren't, none of them were trapped in there. So I think like that could have used another go. And I think yeah. they totally could have figured something out. Cause there's so many things in this movie that yeah. they write out really well. Like they yes. write out of a situation. Well, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Just, and I, and I can't even really come up with what the answer is off the top of my head yeah, for this neither. one. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if they could have maybe spent another couple of hours figuring that out before they uh, filmed it, that yeah, would have been great. Totally. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, anyways, they've saved the town. Uh, they the, have a big fight. Yes. Then. They've got to confront the red wizard. So they have, uh, an epic battle with her, in which they put an anti-magic wristband on her, which disables her. Yes, that's her. how they end up 
winning. Yes. And Chris they couldn't have beat her otherwise, which I thought was a good touch. Yes. That she was clearly way too strong. And it's because of Chris's daughter that they're able to get the band on her. She was sort of yeah. the missing piece of the party. Yeah. Um, oh, with another thing that they come back to that we yeah. forgot to mention, which is she has this invisibility treasure. Yes. Which where is, she puts it on, becomes invisible, and then and essentially Frodo's ring, kind of. Exactly. And Except without all it, the bad stuff. Without, uh, Yeah, without, yeah. <laughs> without all the human corruption. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, she's able to use it here, which I think is a great way to incorporate her. Yeah. Um, so often the left-at-home characters, uh, I like it when they're used as assets later. Which totally. Which like, communication is good. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, we wouldn't have been able to foil her without that. Yeah. Um, there's also a great thing of, like, she casts a time spell and Chris pretends to be frozen in time. Yeah, that was which fun. Which it kind of always looks like he's pretending to be frozen when they've shown it before. <laughs> so it's good that they, like, are aware of that. And that they outthought her. That's yes. more in, in line they with used, their party. They're yes. not, like... Cloud Strife level 99. Yes, they use their wits yeah. um, because they can't ever be as powerful as her. No. Um, and uh, she's, uh, she's down and out, and then there's this little joke where... Um, as a an owl bear, uh, our tiefling hero um, sort of thrashes her around on the ground, like the Hulk to Loki in the first Avengers movie. This is the thing. It was that exact joke. It's that exact joke with less good CG. Yes, and I don't think they should have done it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I actually kind of thought that was a, a scary, dignified villain, and a, a kind of scary, dope death would have been more appropriate for them. Yeah, and uh, I, I just think you're inviting these comparisons. It's so obvious yeah. that that's what you're sort of riffing on, and you're almost like not aware of it. You're trying to pass it off as your own joke. Yeah, and I think everyone in the theater was thinking, "Oh, it's like Loki and Hulk." Yeah, I agree. Um, I so totally agree. Just, just don't do it. It's it's too you're you're never gonna top it and like yeah it's been done yeah. it's been done to perfection it's been done <laughs> um, so uh, the only everything seems fine but there's one problem Michelle has been fatally wounded yes yeah, so we're gonna get into it she's been yeah. fatally wounded in a moment we didn't see which no. I also didn't like mm. um, yeah it would have been good if if it had seemed like she dodged something. But then and it turns out. And she was like, out, keep fighting. Yeah. And like was heroic like she is. And then we sort of forget for a minute. And then we come back and she's actually fatally wounded. So um, she's fatally wounded. She's dying. Yeah. And uh, Kira is devastated because I mean, this is the only mother she's ever really known. Because she yeah. was a baby when her mother passed away. Mm -hmm. So she's experiencing this immense loss. And Chris Pine essentially has this moment where he has... Earlier in the movie, he says to her, I wasn't trying to bring back your your mom. I was right. trying to bring back my wife. Mm. And he kind of acknowledges that the woman he's trying to bring back, his daughter never knew. And right. the woman that raised her was Michelle. Ugh. So that's a very, I think that that's a tough decision. Yeah. And I do like that they give us credit to to know that's why he's doing it. Wait, doing what? Bringing Michelle back yes. instead of his wife. So they, they, Michelle dies. Yes. And they have the rune. They have the tablet of resurrection. And Chris, I think, makes a, kind of an in the moment decision. Let's, that he could have discussed with Bug. They could have slept Kira. on it for one night. <laughs> Just like, okay, we can bring back one person. Do we want to bring back my wife, who I love very much, or do we want to bring back, like, my best friend? It's a tough call. I think it's a tough call. I think, like, if the reason... I like the decision he made just because I think it was for his daughter right. uh, in terms of his daughter knew her. But I also think that, like, it's a complicated conundrum. 
And I think that they should have made it together because the whole movie, he makes decisions for his daughter and doesn't ask her. And it's kind of a like, you agree, right? And she's like, "Uh, yeah, like they they, they just needed more time. It could have been a really nice moment to see those two because we don't really see his daughter and him interact as much as we'd like. And I think if they had made that decision together or maybe, and this is kind of a thing that has been traveled before, so pardon me if it's cliche, maybe he doesn't know what to do and his daughter tells him. Mm. That could have just given more agency to the moment. I also I get that the movie's two hours and they're like, yeah. we gotta end this. Well, but I think there are ways also to put in the audience's head, like, even if you do get this spell, mm-hmm. she's just gonna be like one of those corpses that you just saw at the cemetery. Like Yeah, we don't know like how she'll come back, what yeah. she'll remember, yeah. what she'll have missed. Um, I like we even could have gone more into the lore of this tablet. Like, mm-hmm. what does it resurrect exactly? Yes. I think that this movie totally does like deserves having that more like lived in because uh-huh. it's a really big thing to introduce bringing someone back. Yes. And I think that it's a really big thing to explore like tremendous grief. And I just think that could have been, a, it was a really good opportunity for a character moment between him and his daughter. And instead they just kind of quickly just brought Michelle back. They and make she it just died. Yeah. They make this decision very lightly and it almost feels like they're on a timer and like they know the movie's going to end in five minutes and they just have to yes. make a decision. I think that's, what happened and and it's like don't make this decision lightly and i don't even i'm not even saying that they made the wrong decision i think that you have done a great job justifying why (laughs) michelle is more important uh than than chris pine's wife uh to to some extent but um yeah the movie doesn't really make that case quite as well yeah and it feels so like winky and in the moment and like and rushed very rushed rushed. and just like we've we have spent the whole movie getting our time yes and and getting up to this point and it's like you just you kind of fumble the ball at like you know the the one yard line and it's just like to use a horrible tired sports metaphor but like (laughs) i don't which i never (laughs) make. i don't play football i'm not athletic but um yeah, I just, uh, I wish I wish that this had been done differently. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree with you. And I think that, um, like most things in most stories, everything is solved when you decide to have characters communicate. Yes. Um, and I think that would have just been more moving. Mm-hmm. Because he spent this whole movie trying to be, like, I, I just don't think that, I think we had a tremendous opportunity for, like, character growth there. Totally, totally. And connection. And instead they just kind of, like, rush, it is... Rush something that's quite significant. It's quite significant. I actually think it could have been really satisfying for them to change their mind and bring her back. I think, like, there there's a version of this movie where that's, like, a great twist and it's a great, like, character moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, it just kind of reads like, uh, wow, I guess you used it for that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. We're already two hours in. If they'd yeah. taken an, an extra five for the sequence, I would have been fine. I've already been here for yeah. a while. Or lay, <laughs> yeah. Or laid the groundwork, you know, used a minute here and a minute there to sort of like plant doubt in Chris's mind about bringing back his wife. Um, yeah, like maybe the conversation he has with Zenk earlier where Zenk's like, are you certain yeah. you want to pull her from another plane? Yeah. Like, do you know the effect that would have on her? We don't yeah. know how he feels about that conversation. Right, right. And I think that would have been a cool, like maybe we could have even had backstory with Zenk where he's like, like I've been introduced to tablets of resurrection before. I don't know. Something, something. about 
just the and especially when he's interacted with many corpses throughout this movie yeah. and he sees like that it's wretched to leave them. that's such an organic way yeah. for us to learn yeah. about like corpses aren't necessarily what you <laughs> want to be married to crazy you know thing to be talking about so flippantly <laughs> yeah like but, it's <laughs> and maybe I, yeah it's i think uh a little bit of wisdom being incorporated into this decision yes instead of a flippant one yes um, and then there's some last second shipping between uh, Simon and Doric. Who I don't ship at all. No. like They, they should just, be pals. They haven't flirted once. They the haven't whole had... movie, he's like, notice me? And she's like, ew. And I'm like, no, when girls say ew, we mean ew. <laughs> and even in the screenwriter's mind, I felt like, you know, Doric is over it before it even begins. He's like, can we give it another shot? And she's like, okay, I yeah, guess. Yeah, she doesn't seem passionate she about it. She doesn't even want to do they haven't interacted that way. They, I uh, felt they had a more sibling dynamic. Totally. You know, uh, uh, it's I. I'm all for. I love romance so much, Nick. And yeah. so many things don't get it the way I want, which yeah. is building off the chemistry. And as I said, the romance in this movie should have been Zank <laughs> and Chris Pine. Yes. Uh, because, and I also think they did just such a beautiful job with Michelle and Chris Pine just being friends. Yeah. Like, even he even made a joke where he's like, oh, guy, I could kiss you. And she's like, try it. And you're <laughs> like, oh, shit. Yeah. And we get, like, I was worried that at the end they'd be like, never mind, they're in love. And instead they're like, no, look, Michelle Rodriguez meets another halfling man. And she, like, fully lets him know she's DTF. Right. And that, like, little... A montage at the end. Sure, sure. So I lo- I loved that we had this really, really well-developed platonic friendship. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes in movies when they're like, oh, we have to write a romance in, yeah. they like don't seem to have as much fun in the writing of it. It's, it's weird. And it, it just like, yeah, the last, I think, seven minutes of this movie just feel Rushed. like... We got, we got it. We got it in the movie. We got it in yeah, the movie. Yeah. And, and I was We had a great time. Yeah. I wasn't feeling that. I wasn't yeah. like, oh, when is this going to be over? Not at all. Um, Take your time. Sticking the landing is important. It's the hardest thing to do and it's the most important thing. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hugh Grant meets Zank. I guess something's going to happen there. Yes. He's going to get his just desserts. Yes. And Hugh Grant gets sent to... So Neverwinter gets restored. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Thane gets destroyed. And it gets its previous lord back. He His curse lifts because Safina's dead. Right. And uh, Hugh Grant goes to the jail we saw at the beginning of the movie. Yes. And he argues for his parole. Yes. And he is also waiting <laughs> for Jonathan. Everyone is exploiting Jonathan. <laughs> and he tries to escape again on Jonathan. And when he did it, there's a woman in that scene who says, Jonathan, in the funniest. <laughs> She's really concerned. I hope she knows out there that she killed him. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Uh, a great callback that, like, no one's learned their lesson. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, and, uh, does he successfully escape? No, no, the, he thought that it was going to go through a window that had like a curtain, but the curtain was just covering a painting. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah. And so they went into a wall and his parole was denied. So that was Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I think an amazing first entry in hopefully a series. Yes. Like I, going to see this movie, we had Mm -hmm. to see it at the Yorkdale Mall because that's where the free screening was. Mm -hmm. And the day that this happened, there was freezing rain. It was wretched outside. So I'm like, I get soaked on my walk to the Dufferin bus. The Dufferin bus in and of itself is a journey because there's so many potholes on Dufferin that the bus rattles like a plane that's like about to go down. So So I'm like, oh my God. And I'm soaked. And I go into the Yorkdale Mall and it's so busy. And then this movie took 
all of that away from me. Yes. And when the movie was done and we went outside, the sun was shining. And I was just like, <gasps> it's the feel good movie of the year. It, it was so great. And there's nothing like going to something, not really being like, this will just be whatever. Yeah. We were so over IP. Like, how good could this be? And then it ruled. Yeah. It was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Uh, you know, we do. It's not that we don't get big medieval fantasies anymore. They're all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, would be uh, Game of Thrones, you know, esque things that are trying to or Lord of the Rings esque things. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just think that this was so smartly crafted as, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a different take on on that thing that we're all yeah. so saturated by. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And 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 I think you're right so many movies these days get that balance wrong where the characters are funny at the expense of the entire framework of yeah, the world. Yeah, at the expense of the stakes. And here it's like no, this is a real world. It just happens to have characters in it who have a sense of humor. Yeah. But they're not like poking holes in the way everything functions in the world. Yeah, they're afraid of things and they like... And that can be funny too. Yes, But they take it seriously. Absolutely. You know? Sell the bit. Yeah. Like... It's so easy to just point and be like, that's Because Chris Pine's character could have been like, all of this is dumb, but he's yeah. not. It, his character is more that he really believes they'll figure it out. They, I think they really nailed it. I think as so an adaptation, fun. just like brilliant tonally... Um, I'm, I'm just so happy that, uh, they pulled it off. Not perfect, but a great first entry, great world building. Totally. I uh, want to see more. Let's see more. Absolutely. See. Now, the most important part of the episode. Yes. Our Hollywood Chris rankings. Yes. After this movie, where do we stand on all these Hollywood Chris's? Uh, I'm not going to name them. Let's just rank them. Yes. Uh, starting from uh, the bottom, I guess. Is that the most exciting way to do this? I think so. Can I preface yeah. my background with Chris's? Yeah. So mine has oscillated over the years. Mm. There was a time in my life where Pratt was one of the most important Chris's because I love Parks and Rec so much. It's hard to believe, isn't it? That no That longer, was once a thing. Yeah. No more. And then for years, there was a, like, Chris Evans was doing incredibly because I loved him so much in Not Another Teen Movie. <laughs> Yes. And to this day, his delivery of you have her eyes is one of the funniest <laughs> things I've ever heard. He's also great in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. He's great in Sunshine. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a wonderful Captain America. However, mm. I think his post-Marvel career has not quite taken off yet for mm. me. I mm. like him in Knives Out, mm. but I still think there could be more. This is where I'm at now in that my mind is always changing about Chris's. Well, yes. So our, our rankings Constantly. of Chris's are subject to change. These are not all-time yes. definitive rankings. Yes. This is just where we're at post-D&D. Yes. Yeah. This, okay. this will change if you ask us tomorrow. Absolutely. <laughs> as, <laughs> as is life. Okay. So we'll start from the bottom is a great idea. Yes. So I'll, I'll say, uh, I'll just address the elephant in the room. Chris Pratt is obviously at the bottom for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, Which is I, crazy. I assumed he would be at the bottom for both of us. Yeah. He, you know. He used to uh, literally be one of my favorite things about watching TV. He, he is fucking up Mario. I mean, like. I don't understand. And also he's like, he might, he belongs to a church. Anyway, that I don't believe. Ugh. But first and foremost, he's yeah. not doing a good job as Mary. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, obviously, obviously yeah, the uh, religious bigotry is uh, yeah. kind of the top reason. But also, you know, he does uh, make poor choices in terms of the movies he yeah. does. He's quite Lost annoying. Lost his personality. Yeah. Like. Ugh. His Instagram account. Oh, Don't my get God. me started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bottom but, press. But even if I was just watching his performances and not thinking about any of this outside stuff, I would say, like, he's kind of just been phoning it in for the yeah, last... Yeah, I totally agree. You know? I totally agree. I haven't been surprised by him in, like, a decade. He's so bad in the Jurassic World movies. Ugh. Those movies are bad, but, like, he's really nothing in them. Yeah. Nothing. And he's he doesn't like, play the stakes ever. Everything is stupid and, in the characters he plays. And leans into how tropey his character is. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm just the strong man. Like, and there's no... Like, his performance in Parks and Rec is so dynamic and sweet and yeah. vulnerable and funny. Something and happened. Something happened. Yeah. It's it's bizarre to me. They're like different actors. I feel like Anna Ferris would have some insight. Yeah, I wish I could ask her everything. Yeah, maybe we'll have her on. Well, he got famous and then dumped her right away. <laughs> yeah. They do do that. Uh, um, okay. Do do, speaking of. Sick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, my number three. Okay. Listen, everyone beyond Pratt is a winner, okay? There just has to be a third place here. But I think I have to, unfortunately, give it to Chris Pine. I think think Chris Pine can be great, but he can also be bad. I think you he know, has been bad. I have a foul taste in my mouth from Don't Worry Darling. He's I bad think in that. he just instantly came off like a buffoon, like a character I couldn't take seriously at all. It's not entirely his fault, but I think he didn't do a good job there. And, you know, Wonder Woman 1984. I think he's he's definitely capable of choosing bad movies. He's really good in the first Wonder Woman, though. He is really good in the first Wonder Woman. And he's he's, he's really great winning. in Star Trek. And like yeah. he's And Wet Hot American Summer prequel. Yes. He's he, really funny. And... He's funny. He's great. Everyone in the top three is a winner. I just, if mm-hmm. I have to rank them, I think I have Pine at number three. This was a good step up. I think maybe he could yes. be number two in a couple of years if he works really hard at it. The way you put it, I think I'm, I'm sitting here very torn between Hemsworth and him. Yeah. Because I would have, this conversation wouldn't even be happening if it weren't for the fact that Chris Hemsworth has done really nothing since being a good Thor. Right. He is a good Thor. Yeah. Although I, when I watched Thor uh, Love and Thunder, I yeah. was like, I hate you. So that's a, <laughs> he left a very bad taste in my mouth in that movie. He's another example of a character that just said everything was stupid, made fun of everything, had no character growth. So I'm a little over yeah. his Thor and I need him to just show what else he can do. Yeah. I didn't love him in the Ghostbusters movie either. Wow. I think that, I know he is funny because yeah. according to Taika Waititi, he's like an amazing improviser. Yeah. So I'm giving, whereas Chris Pine, <laughs> oh, but don't worry, darling, was so bad. Um, this is very hard. This is like neck I, and neck. I struggled writing this down. I'm only going because I wrote this in my notes and I knew that I had like gone through all the mental gymnastics yeah. to get to this point. But like, I don't blame you for, it's this just, it's, it's hard to give third place here. I think I'm giving it tentatively to Chris Pine. <laughs> okay. Because... I would love him to continue on this path because I think he's great in this movie and great in a way that's very much his own. And I think as he uh, ages out of just being another hot Chris, I think that will serve him a ton because I think he's a bit more of a character actor maybe. Mm -hmm. But Chris Hemsworth's got to step it up. 
because I don't really know what he's done lately. You're making me rethink my rankings, and I'm going to stay yes. true to them. I think but, I'm with you. But yeah, th- this could have gone in any direction. Like, Chris, you did a great job in Dungeons. Don't, I know you're listening, and like, don't take this to heart. Like, Ardently. Don't, don't feel <laughs> that you aren't enough. And thank you for Spitgate, because we, lo- we all loved it. <laughs> in general, Chris Pine, during the Don't Worry Darling junket, was an important piece. Uh, he's, he's not good at hiding his disdain for a movie. He has a stuff. crazy face also. Yeah. Like he, he's got kind of a big face and facial expressions for film. Yeah. Cause there are sometimes when he's neutral that I just find his face a little goofy and funny. He's <laughs> for being almost, such a hot man. Yeah. He's almost like borderline Gyllenhaal and that his features are quite yes. exaggerated. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I will say tentative here, but it is neck and neck almost. And I'll put yes. Hemsworth just above based off of, I can't deny that even though I don't love his Thor now. Uh, I think he's fucking great yeah. in the first Thor and in the first Avengers. He yeah. does some really difficult things to pull off in those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious to know if he has other depths to him. Yeah. But I would love to see what else he can do. I do think that Chris Pine has a leg up in terms of I think he's a little bit more castable. Like right. When you look like Chris Hemsworth, I don't know how versatile you are, but we'll see. That's Those are all great points. So and I guess we have the same number two. Well... I don't know about that. <gasps> I'm realizing now that it doesn't really make sense for me to just say my number two because then you know my number one. So I'm going to skip to my number one Let's and then go. reveal. So so I actually put Hemsworth at one. What? I love Hemsworth. I think Hemsworth is never bad. Um, what? <laughs> I think that Hemsworth can um, be hilarious. Yes. He can be a badass. He can do both in equal measure. I root for him. Um, I, 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 I recognize in my notes even, he hasn't done a lot outside of Thor lately. That's the only thing yes. I can really dock him points for. But I actually thought he was really funny even in Ghostbusters. Um, right, right, right. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think he's extremely talented. I'm paralyzed. I find him, <laughs> I find him very funny. And I do like Chris Hemsworth. I'm rooting for him, but I just need more I, data. Sure. And I I put Evans at number two Crazy. because I think, you know, he is so funny, um, so reliable. Yeah, uh, and he plays everything. a different... Like, I think Captain America is probably, out of all of them, the toughest yeah. to play. The, just a straight-up sincere, unironic yeah. character. And he, which he somehow managed to make funny mm-hmm. very often. Um, yeah. I think that... I, I will say I'm I'm nervous for his post Marvel career because there's a little bit of an effective affected performance style to him now where I wonder if he's trying to prove himself which I don't ever think is great. Yeah. Um, but the I, Gray Man I thought was really interesting. I haven't seen Gray Man, so I know I know Jamie has, but I haven't seen it yet. And I so. think Gray Man is so underrated. I don't think it's like an amazing movie, yeah, but no, I this really is a, a take of yours. I I really enjoyed Gray Man. I don't think it's like a two star movie at all. Right. And um, he is really interesting in it because I think he's doing exactly what you're talking about, where he's trying to prove that he can yeah. do something other than Captain America, and it sort of plays and against I'm like, you him. You did before, yeah, you were Captain America. You did like. He even just like to build up his Scott Pilgrim performance. That's a very Brilliant. big yeah. theatrical borderline yeah. SNL character performance. That it's he, like 15 lines. Like yeah, he's that barely, he does effortlessly. It's yeah. a totally different comedy style than he does in like not another teen movie where he has to play like very much wink, wink, wink. This yeah. is dumb. Um, 
And he's also really good in Sunshine. And I think that he has, I, like, I'm I'm worried. Something that I think happens to Hollywood actors is everyone just starts to be really serious because they hope to get a big dramatic movie one day to win an Oscar. Right. And I don't think that's any way to perform well. If I had to rank filmographies, <gasps> I would put Evans on top. No question. Yeah. It's, that's an easy call. That's very easy. Riel, do you have anything to plug? I don't think I do. This podcast. <laughs> catch yeah. me on no spoilers. <laughs> okay. When the, it's released. Yes. Yes. They Okay. They probably already know to do that, but. Um. I mean, watch New Eden, actually. <laughs> yes, watch New Eden. It's a um, great show. So it's still on Crave. You can yeah. stream it. Uh, it's really, really, really awesome. It's yes. like, I. it's probably like something that uh, changed my life and will be a cherished memory forever so if you yes. have crave please watch new eden it's like a mockumentary about a female cult lots of amazing torontonians on that show ton, as well. like comedy legends yeah. uh so if that's my main thing i want to plug is always watch new eden wonderful you can find me on uh, this on youtube.com slash novelty hat i will be back to spoil other things with other people <gasps> this has been a tremendous pleasure real thank you for joining me today of course until next time no, spoilers! <laughs> Spoil on! I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> <laughs>